Hi, I'm Asha Tomlinson. And I'm David Common. And we're hosts of CBC Marketplace. We're award-winning investigative journalists that want to help you avoid clever scams, unsafe products, and sketchy services. Our TV show has been Canada's top investigative consumer watchdog for more than 50 years. But this is our first podcast. CBC Marketplace podcast is available now on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC podcast. This is World Report. Good morning. I'm Marcia Young. After years of delays, the federal government will introduce its new online harms bill today. It is legislation designed to make the Internet safer for young people. But free speech advocates say any crackdown on content is a step too far. J.P. Tasker has more. We have to talk to our kids about uh, what's happening online. Carol Todd's daughter Amanda died by suicide after facing online harassment. And then with exploitation, extortion, there's a whole bunch of red flags. Ottawa wants to curb cyberbullying and hate-filled speech on the Internet. CBC News has confirmed the feds will create a new regulator to police social media platforms and harmful content. It can't provide what we might call the Wild West for companies. Owen Charter speaks for the Boys and Girls Club of Canada. He says online abuse is rampant and needs to be reined in to protect kids. There's an entire generation that has grown up on the Internet without legislation, without any real guardrails. He told Ottawa to push through age verification for certain sites and require aggressive content moderation to weed out offensive material. Some of that may make it into this new bill. The initial proposal in 2021 was essentially a takedown regime. Emily Laidlaw is a cybersecurity expert. She says the government's past attempt to address this issue went too far. There should be a special duty to children. And it appears that that is the approach the government is taking, that this is really a child-focused bill. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev hasn't read the bill, but he says he's opposed. What does Justin Trudeau mean when he says the word hate speech? He means speech he hates. J.P. Tasker, CBC News, Ottawa. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is at the presidential palace in Warsaw today. He's participating in talks with Polish Prime Minister Donald Tusk and President Andrzej Duda. The Russian threat to Ukraine and the NATO alliance have been the focus of discussions. Trudeau and Tusk have just wrapped up a joint press conference through a translator. Tusk is urging all NATO countries to meet their military spending requirements. Of course, this is not a remark towards Canada, but there is no reason for the fact that such rich countries as uh, European countries or NATO countries uh, could not uh, build altogether their defense capacities that would really exceed the Russian uh, ones. Trudeau followed up by acknowledging that Poland has stepped up its defense spending. He says Canada will too. The country is under renewed pressure to spend 2% of its GDP on defense. It is a NATO-mandated target most other allies are expected to hit by the end of the year. The United Nations top court wraps up its final day of hearings, considering the legality of Israel's almost six decades-long occupation of the Palestinian territories. Today in the International Court of Justice, the League of Arab States argued there is no legal basis for a Jewish state. Freelance reporter Lauren Kamato has more from The Hague. 
The League of Arab States is one of three international organizations and a record 52 countries to have weighed in on the legality of Israel's occupation. Speaking on behalf of the League of Arab States, Ralph Wild told judges that the establishment of Israel in 1948 was illegal and a violation of Palestinians' rights to self-determination. A state defined to be of and for Jewish people exclusively has governed the entire land of historic Palestine and the Palestinian people there. And the regime of racial domination, apartheid, and denying return has been extended throughout. He called the occupation existentially illegal and said it must end immediately. That unlike what the U.S., Canada, and other countries argued, it can't be justified until a peace agreement is reached that meets Israel's security needs. This is the law as these states would like it to be, not the law as it is. Israel must renounce all sovereignty claims and all settlements must be removed immediately. Today's war in Gaza, argued Wild, did not begin in October 2023, but is what he called a drastic scaling up of force since 1967, when Israel went to war with several Arab states. It's an argument that many countries have made here over the past week. An advisory opinion, which is not legally binding, is likely several months away. Lauren Comito for CBC News, The Hague. European Union agricultural ministers are meeting in Brussels to discuss the strains on the farming sector. Outside EU headquarters, protesters are in the streets. They are throwing projectiles and jamming roads with tractors and burning tires. Riot police responded with water cannons. Farmers across Europe have been protesting for weeks. They want more action from policymakers to relieve the economic strain on the sector. Today's meeting will discuss what more can be done to respond to their demands. The U.S. Supreme Court is preparing to make a pivotal decision about what Americans can see and share on social media. Ultimately, It will decide how the First Amendment applies to online platforms. Freelance journalist Nick Harper is in Washington. He joins me now. Nick, what arguments will the Supreme Court hear this week? Yeah, Marcia, these are two cases this week that are being billed as a crucial First Amendment freedom of speech case. And it all revolves around laws that were enacted in Texas and Florida back in 2021. Now, uh, they put these laws in place to stop companies from removing content from platforms uh, sparked by the conservative right who wanted to curb companies' powers after the then-president Donald Trump was kicked off of some of the platforms following the January 6th Capitol attack. And these states were arguing that these companies were anti-conservative, that they were discriminating against views on the right. Uh, These laws, though, have been challenged by two groups. These groups arguing that the platforms should have First Amendment rights and and they shouldn't be told by states what content they can publish. And a central argument to all of this is how a social media platform platforms viewed. Are they, for example, like newspapers? Can they publish what they want? Can they edit as they see fit without any sort of political interference? But there is controversy. Run us through some of the additional concerns around this case. The fears are 
that these laws would prevent curation and the removal of any harmful content. So it could potentially mean leaving posts unchecked. We could see more misinformation on sites about this year's presidential elections, for example. Or we could see Russian propaganda over the war in Ukraine. It could see uh, posts that promote hate speech going unchecked and remaining on the platforms. Now, we're not expecting a decision from the justices today. They will be hearing oral arguments from both sides in this case. Uh, A judgment will come at a later date, likely at some point in June. But whatever the decision, it will define the future of social media companies for Americans. Thank you so much, Nick. You're welcome, Marcia. Freelance journalist Nick Harper in Washington. Canada's top diplomats are complaining about their health care coverage when they're in foreign countries. They've taken the unusual step of writing a joint letter to the federal government about what they call an untenable issue. CBC News has obtained the letter. Canada's ambassadors and heads of mission say the problem is causing some people to forego health care treatment altogether. Catherine Cullen has the story. It was extremely frustrating at a very, very stressful time. Former Ambassador Dennis Horak was on vacation in Los Angeles when his wife suffered a serious medical emergency. She ended up in intensive care, and he says he spent days trying to get help from his insurance company. I phoned them every hour. I stayed on the phone for hours at a time, uh, waited for callbacks that never came. That insurance company, MSH International, provides all health care coverage for Canadians who live and work overseas, including diplomats and their families. Diplomatic sources tell CBC News there were already many complaints when earlier this month the company was hit by a cyber incident, pausing claims processing. Now, all of Canada's ambassadors and heads of mission have written to the federal government to say, quote, a challenging situation has become further untenable and staff urgently need access to predictable, effective health insurance. The union is also sounding the alarm. Pamela Eastfeld is president of the Professional Association of Foreign Service Officers. She's heard of a person having cardiac issues who had trouble accessing treatment in the United States because they couldn't connect to the insurance company. When you consider that this person is feeling bad enough that they think they're having some kind of a heart attack and then having to navigate ridiculous things like that, it's, it's pretty bad. Global Affairs Canada says the well-being of staff is of the utmost importance and they're working to find a timely resolution. While MSH International said in a statement it has been able to effectively help staff access medical service when they need it and that it's making changes to process claims faster. Catherine Cullen, CBC News, Ottawa. And that is the latest national and international news from World Report News Anytime, cbcnews.ca. I'm Marcia Young. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.